I am a finder of the destiny path of God for my life. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Just want to acknowledge those of you that are out with us watching online. Um, it's so good to be back. It has been a little while uh, since we actually had one of these midweek sessions. And so we'll do some review here just to uh, refresh your memory for those that had not connected with us in a while, um, but we're going to keep building. And so um, I pray that you would, uh, if, if we start someplace and you don't have all that information and from a history standpoint, it's okay. If you connect with us on social media, all the information um, is there for you on our Facebook channel, certainly on our YouTube, excuse me, our YouTube channel and our Facebook page. You can go back and see them, but particularly our YouTube channel, you can find them all listed there in order. But don't just follow us there. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, so that you can make sure that you um, catch everything that's necessary so that you can experience the difference of destiny. All right. Um, as we said, these this series here is one where we want to open it up and have some interactive times in this um, uh, as we talk about Back to the Future Revelation on end time events. So I'm believing that you're going to be blessed and that the things that we will share will give you exactly what you need to really understand the day in which you live and what God wants us to do. We'll come back at the end and give you a chance to also participate in the word that you've heard today and help others to also experience the same difference of destiny that you have. All right. All right. So our objectives, we've given you, um, we've had these seven objectives. We said, number one, our objective is to provide perspective into God's prophetic scriptures. Two, to illuminate end time events in a way that is consistent with all other texts of Holy Scripture, full of hope, faith, and love. Three, to acknowledge that God is both full of grace and mercy and also judgment and vengeance. There are warming, warming, I feel warm, warming scriptures, but also warning scriptures. Um, number four, to highlight patterns, principles, and personality profiles that appear repetitively in scripture, enabling us to look backward but see forward. Um, then we said number five is to develop a prophetic viewpoint that informs our view on global events, but is not unduly influenced such that we try to conform biblical prophecy to current events resulting and speculation on spiritual expectation. Six, to motivate you to be about your father's business through an understanding of God's prophetic time clock. Um, the most exciting part of the game is in the final seconds. And then seven, to give you comfort, confidence, and hope, hope that God has a plan for your deliverance from darkness as he ushers in a new age. All right? And so then we have been kind of walking through... Um, a list of eight perspectives on end time events. And this list has been um, like, if, if we don't get these things right, um, then the rest of what we do will, it'll, it'll feel kind of disjointed, but these kind of hold um, our teaching together. All right, so eight critical perspectives on end time events. And we are on number six of eight, but the, um, six, seven, and eight. Um, we've been on six from the last time. I'll give you a second part on number six today, but I'll just read the whole list just to review where we are. So uh, eight per critical perspectives on end time events. The first one is 
we said is the preeminence principle. Jesus is the subject. Pastor David, why is that so important? Because sometimes people talk about, you know, you watch um, movie dram- dramatizations, and they will almost make the Antichrist seem bigger than the Christ. When the book of Revelation is not a revelation of the beast, the false prophet, the dragon, the plagues, the seals, um, all of those, the locusts, all of those things. It is, it, the scripture says the subject of the book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we want to make sure that Jesus stays a subject. Now, I started a study. I didn't even finish it. Um, how many, you know how there's names of Jesus throughout Scripture or the names of God the Father? Um, I actually started a study of, of every single different name of Jesus that's given in the book of Revelation. And there's a bunch of them. I'm, I can't even tell you the number because I didn't finish the study. And so... Um, there's a lot to see about Jesus. And so there's things that you'll learn about Jesus in this book that are not found in other books. It's consistent with what's in other books of the Bible, but there's his, his final revelation is not the baby. You know, people going around saying, sweet baby Jesus, he's not a baby no more. We're going to celebrate Christmas, and we glad he came as a baby, but the final revelation of Jesus is not sweet baby Jesus. Okay. Or there are some church traditions that have Jesus, um, they have a crucifix. A crucifix is not just a cross. It's a cross with an image of Jesus on it. Listen, he's not on the cross anymore. Okay? And so that's not the revelation of Jesus. Now, you know, we, we certainly celebrate that he's crucified and that he died. It's not, I'm not saying that, but that's not the final revelation. The book of Revelation shows you the way he's going to be for eternity. So that's the Jesus that we, that we see here, and that's why this book is so important. Number two, all the scriptures form a single book written by a heavenly author. It is 66 connected books, but not, not 65 plus one appendix we aren't supposed to read or understand. Three prophetic scriptures give us a sense of time, timing, and the times so that we can be in tune with the will of God and our generation, not drunk and disorderly like the world. Number four, there is a principle of prophetic pattern repetition that occurs in scripture. Often biblical scholars find one instance of prophetic fulfillment and lock onto it as if it was the only one. Now, for us, that's a big, big piece of how we do what we do when we teach this, because we say, you know, somebody will say, well, man, that, that, that was already fulfilled. And just because it was already fulfilled at one level doesn't mean it's not to be fulfilled at some future point. All right. Um, an example of that is the fact that um, Jesus and James said that when Elijah prayed, that there was no rain on the earth for three years and six months. Jesus said that. If, if I don't believe that, then I, the only way I can not believe that is for me not to believe Jesus. So if, if I show you in the book of Revelation that there was these prophets in the spirit and power of Elijah, and they prayed and there was no rain for 42 months, which is the same thing as three years and six months, 
why is that one not true if the other two are true? Right? So people lock on to just that one, and then they'll say that one's true, but then ignore the rest of them. All right? When it's, it's the same book. Number five, there is a pattern of prophetic types and shadows that foreshadow the first coming of Christ. This is also true for the second coming. There were things, there were signals, there were signs, there was, you know, events that pointed to Christ's first coming, and there's also things from Scripture that point to his second coming, all right? Number six, this is, this is the one we're on. Satan has always wanted to assume the place of God, whether in heaven and on earth throughout history. That will not change. Satan's always wanted to be God. He's the biggest wannabe in the whole universe, all right? But what he wants to be, he can't be in heaven, so he tries to be that um, in the place of humanity, right? He tried to get Jesus to bow to him and worship him. I will give you all of this if you will just bow down and worship me. Right? He's always wanted to assume the place of God. And what did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan, because it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall you serve. So there is something that's preserved for God only that Satan tries to get. Number seven, there are three distinct groups that have collective destinies being dealt with by God. Collective groups collective destinies. The nations of the earth is one. The nation of Israel is a second one, and the holy nation or the church. And that holy nation that God calls to be the church, he calls out of all families, kindreds, nations, and tongues. So we, listen, that's one of the great things about um traveling internationally is you got you got family all over the planet right we're all family through the blood of Jesus we're all one single country all right so you have to wear your earthly citizenship loosely cuz some people are so patriotic that they that they have no kingdom mindset when we learned, when we studied the New Jerusalem, that our citizenship is in heaven. All right? So, that, what does that mean, Pastor David? I go with my political party until it violates my citizenship in heaven. And that's whether or not we're trying to decide if we're pro-life or if we say we're pro-life, but then we cage the babies once they get here. Do you see what I'm saying? Because sometimes I say, well, man, y'all can't be, y'all can't be, you know, real Christians because y'all voting for them and they not this. And then, but we don't mind caging, right? We care about the baby in the womb. Yeah, we should care about the baby in the womb. I'm going to show you today that the spirit of abortion by definition is antichrist. But hold it, laws that kill people after they hear is also Antichrist too. So we all got to step up and step out of the system because there is no system in the world, there's no nation on the in the on the earth 
that's, that's going to do what the holy nation was intended to do. You know, and we can pray God bless America, but we should be praying America, you need to bless God. But that's a story for a different day. All right, my last one here is um, there is a clear pattern in Scripture of diverging destinies, some miraculously saved and others horribly lost. We've actually dealt with this one, but I'll just circle back to it. Um, at the end is that, you know, there is a segment of people um, and preachers that say God is so much a God of love that nobody's going to be lost. And I'm like, man, I mean, if you had the chance to write your own Bible, I would do it your way. But I can't read the scriptures that I've read. Some people would say there's not even a hell. Hell is a figment of your imagination. Don't lose your, don't, don't separate from your body just believing in a figment. Because that figment going to get real, real, real quick. Okay? Jesus said it. Jesus talked about a rich man and Lazarus. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. I mean, either we believe he was telling the truth or he's a liar. Now, there's people that believe he's a liar, but you can't be a Christian. And then, and not believe the person who made it all when he's telling you how it all is, right? Oh, man, God's too much a God of love. Um, he is, but there's still, there's still things on the other side. And if you stay on the other side, you'll get what that side gets. That's why the scripture says, come out of her, my people, talking about Babylon, mystery Babylon, right? We talked about it that in a previous session so that you won't be a partaker of her sins and get her plagues, right? I remember um, as a child when stuff was going down, I just wanted to be on the right side. <laughs> there was times, you know, mom would get upset, and she started whooping. She'll remember stuff. You know what I'm saying? You just, hey, you come here. I'm like, man, I wasn't even a part of it. But she just like, like, you know, everything. So you wanted to, when stuff was going down, you wanted to get out of the way. Okay, because when it, when it was going down, you just, you just wanted to be someplace else. You did, exactly. You did not want the overflow. All right. So what we're on is we're on that one in number six where we talked about um, the fact that uh, Satan has always wanted to assume the place of God, all right? So um, we, we have a slide here. This is just review that, that there were these five types of Christ. We talked about Christ being the last Adam, a high priest after the Melchizedek, seed of Abraham, the prophet like Moses, the king that sits on the throne of David. Um, but if there's five types of Christ, then there's also with each type of Christ, a type of the Antichrist. If Adam is a type of Christ, um, then uh, there was also Eve was a type of the church. There's a type of the church. Sorry. Type of the church is next. Right. So if there's a type of Christ. There's a type of the church. But anytime there was this relationship between the Christ, Christ and the church, there was always an Antichrist opposing force that always tried to interrupt God's program, okay? So if Adam is a type of Christ, Eve is a type of the church, then the serpent who got in between Adam and Eve, 
was a type of the Antichrist. So when people say, you know, Pastor David, do you believe that there's a little Antichrist, a person? Yes. But the spirit of Antichrist goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. You get that? Every Satan has always, the spirit of Antichrist goes into heaven when there was war in heaven. Okay? So, um, there's, there's always this opposing force. So, um, there was the five types of the Christ. Each one has his type of the, of, um, the church. Um, but then there's the t- five types of the Antichrist. Let's look at that one. That's the one I want to get to, the five types of the Antichrist. If Adam is a type of the Christ, then the serpent is a type of the Antichrist. If Melchizedek, remember, Melchizedek came and spoke to Abraham. He was a king. He blessed him, blessed Abraham. Um, when, when Abraham tithed, and then the devil came and said, I can do a deal with you, the king of Sodom, the king of the place that's about to burn up, that clearly is a type of the Antichrist, right? Um, Abraham, let's talk about Abraham was a type of Christ. Then Abimelech and Pharaoh took Sarah, who was a type of the church, out of Abraham's house. That's an antichrist thing that tries to get between, right? Um, Moses is a type of Christ. Pharaoh is a type of the antichrist. So one of the things that Pharaoh did, Pharaoh was worshipped like a god. You, you study Egyptian artifacts, you know that Pharaohs worship like a god. You know, there's a lot of African Americans who study and worship, you know, the deities of, of Egyptian antiquity. And so they'll talk about Ra, the sun god. But God made the sun turn dark because every one of those plagues was attacking one of the gods that was worshipped in Egypt. When the Nile, the Nile is the source of life, they worshipped it, and he turned it to blood. Right? And then he killed Pharaoh's seed. Pharaoh was a god according to their system. And God killed his son, saying, no, you're not God, I am. All right? So each one of those. Now, why is that important? Because there, you will see when we study in detail, and I'm just giving you the framework today, you will see in each one of these types of the Antichrist part of his nature that you'll see at the end. You'll see that just like um, Pharaoh, Pharaoh introduced partial birth abortion. Because he said, there's too many Hebrew babies. Now, now I'm trying to tell you why there are abortion clinics in our communities. There's too many Hebrew babies. Let's just kill the babies off. That's Antichrist. It's Antichrist. You, you see what I'm saying? So we need to be able to look at these kind of things and know what's going on. And then, of course, Nebuchadnezzar, um, 
who is king of Babylon is the last type of the Antichrist. That's a real important one because in the book of Revelation, it describes it describes uh, the book of Revelation describes Jesus ruling over the New Jerusalem like David ruled over Jerusalem, and then it describes the Antichrist ruling over Mystery Babylon like Nebuchadnezzar ruled over Babylon, right? Okay. All right. Now, um, sh show the picture of the Trinity. We, we are, you know, there are churches that, that don't believe this, but we're a church that believe that we serve one God and three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So, since Satan has always wanted to be God and he wanted to be worshipped, wanted Jesus to worship him, he also set up his own trinity, right? Now, um, go on and show that. It's, it's not like God's, right? <laughs> he, he can only imitate. He cannot duplicate. So, the beast is not some, it can be a person who is, who, who studies occult powers, but he can't create a deity. He's not God, right? He can, he can only influence people just like he tried to do to Jesus. I mean, you know, he, you know, he bold if he tried to get Jesus to commit high treason against his own father. Right? I'll give you all of this if you worship me. Well, that's, the, that's what he says to the Antichrist. I'm going to give you the whole planet because you're bowing down to me. Right? His play doesn't change. Right? His appeal is the same. So Satan um, is called the serpent, um, but in the book of Revelation, he's called the dragon. Clearly, the serpent grew. All right. Um, and then he sets up an, a person who, like Christ, is supposed to sit on a throne and be worshipped. All right? That's the beast or the Antichrist. Names uh, are both used in Scripture. And then there is a, a third person who, like the Holy Spirit, encourages people to worship Christ and serve Christ, the, the false prophet, encourages people to worship the Antichrist. Get it? Okay. Let's look at this in Scripture. Immediate team, I'm on page 40, right? Um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. And it says, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or letter, as if, it, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. All right, let's stop there for a second. Um, so he's talking about the second coming of Christ and our, the church, being gathered together to him. That's what this is about. It says, listen, don't let people get in your head. That's the King David version. Don't be shaken by spirit, word, or letter as if somebody had committed identity theft and 
and sent out a letter like it had come from us. Don't let people get in your head saying stuff that Christ has already come. Okay, because some people are saying that there is no second coming. Look at verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Perdition is another word for destruction. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So clearly, he, Satan always has tried to assume the position of God. That's what this is telling me. Verse 5, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. Oh, there is a restraining force. Um, sometimes there are domestic violence issues that happen in relationships. And then someone can go to a court and get a personal protection order. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you could say, this person is so violent, they need a restraining order, and they can't come within a certain number of feet of another person. Anybody know I'm telling the truth? This scripture is saying that Satan would love to bring the Antichrist whenever he wants to, but there is some force that is anti the Antichrist. What force is anti to the Antichrist? The body of Christ. All right? So, we are the body of the anointing. We need to stay anointed to keep pushing back the anti-anointing. Okay? So, you at work, be the light. I've, I've been in places, and um, I've, I've been in meetings where I'm responsible with other leaders, and I heard things that I just didn't agree with. Now, there's other people who will get out around the water cooler and say that's wrong, but I've had, I have leaders tell me, David, I know you're going to have something to say about it. I'm not there to let them just be the world and do the world. Okay, if it's wrong, I'm there to call it out. And then other people get out of, out of the meeting and, they, oh, man, that you, you big wuss. <laughs> you just, you got, you got in there and you could have said something you didn't agree, but then you wouldn't even deal with it. And then I'm the one taking all of the, all of the barbs because I'm the one that's willing to speak up and call wrong wrong. Man, you, you just a big wimp. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You're supposed to be the restraining force. Stop turning your light out and, and dumbing your stuff down to make other people feel good. You're not supposed to be there making them feel good. You're supposed to be restraining the spirit of Antichrist. Right? 
Verse 6, read that again. And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. So there is a time frame. Satan would love to bring him early. He can't. There's a restraining force. That's you and me. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. We as the restraining force, when we're caught away, um, Pastor David, why do you believe? Not everybody does, right? But I believe that the that this that there. First of all, the scripture is very clear. Paul said, "Don't don't let nobody deceive you." That there's going to be a specific person who is antichrist. Now, had you been around in the church in the 1940s, there were people who said Adolf Hitler must be him. I'm just saying, some people said Barack Hussein Obama had to be him. I'm just saying, people, like, you got compelling reason to look at our current president, but that's the story for a different day. I see, I wasn't even supposed to say that. That's not even on my list. That's not even my notes. I'm just saying, there are things People have a spirit of Antichrist because the spirit of Antichrist has been on the earth since the serpent. Stuff that tries to inhibit the church has been on the planet since the serpent. Okay? But you can't go around speculating that every person that come up is the boogeyman. Stop that. Okay? Because that's why people don't think prophecy is real, because they say, y'all been saying that for a long time. No, I'm, I'm saying what the Scripture says. I'm saying this thing is coming. The spirit of it is already in the earth because the devil has to get the world ready for it. But there is a specific person that is come that will come when the church that's restraining him is taken out of the way. All right, verse 8, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. All right, let's start there. We already know the end of the story. God has already called his shot. He's, when, when Satan puts his best shot, God said, I'm already telling you in advance, I'm going to take him out. Okay, you, you know how some games athletes will guarantee a win? God has guaranteed the win. Okay, verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all powers, power signs, and lying wonders. So his empowerment, he has a satanic empowerment. He has a satanic anointing, if I could use the word. It's not really an anointing. It's an anti-anointing, because that's what antichrist means. But it has power with it. It can do signs, and the wonders are still lies. You might call that fake news. Verse 10, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, 
because, uh-oh, here's, here's how we get into the Antichrist. They did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Ooh, okay. In the spirit of Antichrist, if the spirit of Antichrist is in the world, then there must be a spirit trying to deceive people. And there must be a spirit that's trying to get people to hate truth, not love it. Interestingly, if I hate truth, I might call truth hate speech. Or I might call it fake news. So I have to be careful that I don't get sucked in to the spirit of our age. Listen, whom God loves, he chastens and rebukes. I don't want to be in a church where somebody can't correct me. I don't want to be in a place where nobody can tell me nothing. For me, that's dangerous. I think it's dangerous for you because this scripture tells me that the thing that, that causes people, it makes them susceptible to the lies of the Antichrist is they don't receive a love of truth. And listen, um, none of us is Jesus but Jesus. So everybody's got some measuring up to do when we are measured against truth. And so people who tell me truth are helping me, not hurting me. Right? I don't care if you my doctor, I don't care how good your bedside manner is if you don't have the correct diagnosis. If you make me feel good and I'm dying and you don't tell me, I'm still feel some kind of way even though you made me feel good about myself. If you told me everything's right and I only had a month to live and Either you couldn't diagnose it or you did and just didn't want to tell me, I don't feel good about my relationship with you. Tell me the truth and then give me the thing that can help me. But at least let me deal with the reality of my situation. Make sure we have a love for the truth. All right? Verse 11, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Had pleasure in unrighteousness. All right? So some, there, there is a point where people can get so wound up in the lie that God just gives you to the lie that you... All right? If you want to know things that make Pastor David concerned, scriptures like this get me concerned because I just I want to make sure me and God is on the same page. I don't want to ever get to the point where my conscience is seared. I can't be rebuked. I can't turn around. I need to make sure that I can always hear God and receive correction. Right? Say amen if you believe in God to make sure you can always hear correction too. Amen. All right. Um, now... When we study the description of the Antichrist, um, the, the Scripture will use different word pictures. Don't get nervous, right? Word pictures 
um, show spiritual characteristics. Don't confuse those with natural characteristics, all right? We call Jesus the Lamb of God. We're not saying he walking around with sheep's wool on him. When we call him the Lion of Judah, we don't run in here thinking he's going to eat us up. Those, those, are, those are titles that give certain aspects of his character. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so, um, these describe aspects of his nature that are clearly understood by some portion of a natural counterpart. Let's look at Revelation 13. We're going to read verses 1 through 4, and then we'll skip down to verse 11. It says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and his horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a mountain, the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So, listen, people have tried to do that, and they're trying to imagine this beast with these horns and stuff. When those things, any any more than I would say that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the chief cornerstone. They're trying to make, uh, they're trying to imagine that as a physical thing when he's describing part of his spiritual nature. Does that make sense? Okay. He's trying to give you some, an image picture. We're a parable. Okay. Now, the key thing is he has authority, has, because um, horns were always like, and exalting, the scripture talks about my horn being exalted. That that that's that that terminology spoke of authority, and he had crowns, speaks of authority. All right, but then um, that second verse ended by saying that the dragon, talking about Satan, gave him his power, throne, and great authority. That's the key thing. Someone empowered by Satan with authority. All right, now let's look at verse 3. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast. That's just like you and me saying, we worship the Father and the Son. All right? Then they said, um, who is like the beast and who is able to make war with him? Uh, but hold it, for Satan to be like God, he can't just have one that is like Christ. He must have a satanic trinity to have one that's like the Antichrist. Let's look at verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon, had horns like a lamb, like a lamb, but spoke like a dragon. That's why we say he's false. He's a false prophet. Okay. Um, verse 12, and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now, um, there is some level of conjecture uh, among 
prophecies, okay, was he really killed and all of that? Listen, Satan's always trying to be like God, but he can't bring the dead back to life again because Jesus has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Got it? Okay. Um, but it's a lying wonder. We've already established it's a lying wonder. Right? It, right? <laughs> and um, even, even in Egypt... Moses, Moses had certain power, but Pharaoh's, who was a type of the Antichrist, who had two magicians with him, right? There was a three. They, even Pharaoh had a threesome because there was Jannies and Jambres. Paul told us what their names were. They threw down their rods and had serpents too. So clearly, there is some level of authority that Satan has, particularly if the church is out of the way and we're not restraining. Right? Okay. Um, all right, so we said this beast had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. He exercises great authority. Verse 13, he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who's, who was wounded by the sword and live. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Now, remember, we've seen this play before, haven't we? We've seen where um, Nebuchadnezzar made a golden image and said, you either have to worship this image or get thrown into the fiery furnace. Okay, that's why I'm saying we can't, like, I don't know how to say that that's not a real coming if, without saying that Daniel was lying. Because they, they're in the same book, right? So we, we are people that look at these things and really call them the way the world, world, world calls them. Um, so then... We have to be careful about things that worship the devil like he's Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on that? Right. So be careful what you're tricking or treating, trick or treating about. Right. Now, you, you can have as many lights on your house for Halloween as you do for Christmas. <laughs> I mean, first it was it used to just be Christmas lights, but now you you get Halloween lights in my neighborhood. Okay, I mean, it may not be in your hood. I'm just saying, Pe people really listen. They deck out their house for Halloween. I'm just I'm just saying, um, be careful that you don't celebrate the spirit of fear like 
we celebrate the spirit of faith. I'm careful about haunted houses and and scary movies and like, listen, there's something inside of you that's supposed to be connecting to God. If you stir up fear, fear going to be in you. First John tells you fear has torment. So I don't, I don't play with fear. Like, listen, <laughs> when, we, when I'm on a plane, I'm never, you're never going to catch Pastor David watching a scary movie. There's a lot of movies come out, but I'm not going to be on a plane because if something go down scary, I don't need to be in fear because I didn't play with fear all the way along the trip. <laughs> now, Lady Nedger will tell you that, like, if there's something, like, I jump. Since I was a child, like, <laughs> um, our parents uh, used to used to do a janitorial job. We had a second family job, right, when we were children. Um, and uh, dad, before he got into uh, AC Spark Plug, used to work at this engineering firm. And then at night, to make more money, our family would go after the place was closed and clean up the whole place. Two, two floor place. And so you either have to take the upstairs, clean the bathrooms. So listen, listen, Pastor, we've done it all. I, at work, I'm real nice to janitors because I've been one. <laughs> I, 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 hey, I've been one. We did it all. We did it all. So I would be in there, you know, and everybody else upstairs, I'm downstairs by myself. And then my sisters, you know, not, not the youngest one. <laughs> she, she was too slow. She might have got hurt. <laughs> but they would sneak up on me. But my first reaction is if you sneak up on me and I'm in swinging distance, you're going to get hit before I knew what happened. <laughs> Why? Because I'm responding and reacting out of fear. Okay? So I didn't have time. Ma, Dad, you ain't supposed to. I said, Dad, I'd be like, Daddy, <laughs> listen, they scared me, and when they scared me, my instinct took over. <laughs> We're not supposed to be playing with fear. All right? Fear is antichrist. We have the spirit of faith. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Okay? That's why I tell people, listen, um, you, you find a health issue. Don't be watching Grey's Anatomy. You're trying to save your marriage. Don't be watching Maury Povich. Don't do it. You see what I'm saying? Divorce court, you know, I can do bad by myself. And then you're trying to fix your marriage, and then you come home, you mad because of something you saw on Oprah. <laughs> don't, you understand what I'm saying? Don't let people, see, don't let the devil get in your head. Does that make sense? Because some of those things is working against the thing you believe in God to do for you. Okay, 
Fear connects you with the devil like faith connects you with God. Don't celebrate death like you should be celebrating resurrection life. Like, we spend all our time on Resurrection Sunday talking about, hallelujah, Jesus is alive, and because he's alive, we're alive. Don't get on October 31st after you celebrated life from the dead and start celebrating death and decay. All right? Here, I got a sheet with a definition. What does it mean to haunt? What does it mean to haunt? To haunt means to frequent or to visit often. That's what it means to frequent. To resort to much, um, to much or often, or to be much about. To visit customarily. When we say this house is haunted by ghosts, we're saying that there are spirits that stay in this place to visit frequently, to intrude upon, to trouble with frequent visits, to follow um, importunately. I don't, I don't think I'm saying it right, but you see it there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It is particularly applied to specters or apparitions, which means ghosts, which, rep, which are represented by fear and, cred, and credulity. I'm saying that wrong. As frequenting or inhabiting old, decayed, and deserted houses. Okay. Listen, this church is haunted by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> That's who we want to visit here, and we don't do it by making it decay, and there is no spirit of fear in it. All right? We worship and we pray so that our house would be haunted by the Holy Ghost and by the Spirit of Jesus. Let's look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 10 through 13. And it says, Apostle John is speaking, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a voice loud as a trumpet, saying, here's some of the revelations of Jesus Christ. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and, I, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with the garment to the feet and girded with, about the chest with the golden band. All right? So... He turns and sees, he turns and sees, John sees Jesus, and he begins to describe, here's different names of Jesus. And we in chapter 1, see how many different names? I'm the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, right? Now look at verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me and saying to me, do not be afraid. Don't play with fear if he's telling you not to be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades or hell and of death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. 
the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in your right hand, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So, um, notice that the same right hand that he saw the stars, he touched John with that same right hand. So, what he's saying is, like, as a minister of this church, when it comes to dealing with this church, I'm in Jesus' hand. Because he doesn't have to talk to a celestial heavenly angel through me. He can talk to that angel by himself, can't he? They respond to his orders very, very well. But he sends his angels out, and just like you have personal angels assigned to you, there is an angel assigned to a church. That angel spends most of his time with me, not because I'm the best, but because he's working to confirm the word that's coming out of my mouth about this congregation. Got it? In his right hand, but that's a dual reference. But notice that there, the description he has of the individual church was a lampstand. Now, let's look at chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Jesus visits churches. One church he came to and said, I'm standing outside and knocking. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Jesus. You on the outside knocking, we tr listen, listen, if we have church and Jesus on the outside knocking, we doing something wrong. Can you agree with me on that? Okay. So we want him to feel welcome. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Right? We want Jesus to feel welcome in our church. We want to do things through our prayer, through our faith, through our worship, through our giving, that makes it easy for Jesus to come in here and do whatever he want to do. See what he want to see, say what he want to say, do what he want done. We don't want to bring antichrist things in the church that repels Jesus. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, so... um. As the pastor, I'm not the only one. There's other ministers in here and there's elders and stuff, but we have a responsibility to make sure that we do things that make God feel welcome and that push Satan back. I want the devil to feel uncomfortable when they come to church. Okay? All right? Um, praise steals the enemy and the avenger. All right, um, the high the high praises the two edged sword to 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 execute upon the enemy the judgments written. So there are things that we can do to make God feel welcome and make the devil feel unwelcome. That's true in this house, but that's also true in your house. 
Like when you travel some places, some stuff you don't need to bring home. I was in Mexico, and the guy was trying to give me a body. I said, no. I said, that's El Diablo. You know, Diablo is, is the devil in Spanish. I said, that's El Diablo. No, no, I ain't, bring, I ain't buying that and bringing it to my house. No. No. You know, don't, don't get the wrong trinket. I'm just saying. Okay. Um, so Jesus rebuked fear, claimed victory over death and hell, so we shouldn't play with it. The other thing we know about the Antichrist is that he sets up laws. Daniel chapter 7, 23 through 25. Daniel, because he lived in the face of Nebuchadnezzar, God could use Nebuchadnezzar as a sign and give him insight into the Antichrist that was coming. All right? And Daniel says, verse 7, chapter 7, verse 23 through 25. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth, trample it and break it into pieces. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first ones and sub subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, talking about God, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and laws. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for times, for time and times and half a time. And that's talking about a three-and-a-half-year period. <clears throat> um. So, there is a piece of the Antichrist that is time, times, and half, and, right, time, times, and half a time, which is three and a half years, okay, um, which, which also lines up with what the book of Revelation says about 42 months. Um, notice that he, in, <clears throat> he intends to change laws. Okay, we have to be careful because part of what righteousness is, is right sentences or right laws. So we have to be very active and vocal about restraining wrong laws. Okay. We have to push back on things and be active. Part of our ability to be sought in light is to stand up for legal rights. The Apostle Paul was master at this. Sometimes he would invoke his Jewish citizenship and say, I'm a Pharisee, the son of Pharisees. And then he would appeal to Caesar saying, I'm a Roman citizen. You better recognize. He, <laughs> you read the book of Acts, you come out like, Paul, man, I'm just like, man. He pulled that stuff out. They had beat him. And he said, you better get that whip off me. He said, I'm a Roman citizen. And the guy, he got scared. He got scared. He was like, oh, he's a Roman citizen. We got to do We'd have, we'd have messed up now because he understood his rights. 
Okay, so what, what I'm, Pastor Dave, why are you telling me all of this? Because listen, we're going to have to stand up for some rights. They not, listen, they start going into your house, you in your own home without search warrant, opening your door, shooting you dead, and then saying, planting drugs on you afterward that they didn't have a search warrant to get before you died. He, he was, <laughs> she was probably his girlfriend, and then he told her no, and she didn't like it, and she used her gun to, anyway, I'm just, I'm just saying, all right? So, when we look at situations, we can see that there are things like um, abortion, threats to religious li liberty, because um, everybody likes every other kind of worship except the worship of God, right? Everybody else is cool. But when you worship, it's the church. It's not the separation of mosque and state. <laughs> right? It's, so all of those things become very clear. All right? Those are the things we talk about. All right. That's enough revelation for one day. Were you blessed? Praise the Lord. Just want to acknowledge those of you that um, have been watching with us online. I pray this series is, has blessed you. Uh, we'll pick up a little faster in our next couple sessions, but we hadn't been together for a little while, so we wanted to make sure that you caught it all and that you had all of the flow of where we are. Listen, what is clear from what we learned today is um, this game has been pre-recorded. Uh, Jesus has called this shot and said, I'm, I'm going to beat everything that Satan has to throw at me. And if he's, if Jesus is victorious and you're the body of Christ, that means you're victorious too. If you're not a part of the body of Christ, as you see these signs coming, you need to get, you need to get on the right side of this. Even if you're in the church, you've got to, to check yourself and say, are there antichrist things that I'm permitting to exist in my sphere of influence that I need to push back on? All of us can be challenged there. Nobody's perfect. Um, and so we, we need to be people that are correctable, correctable, changeable. People that, that, that God can chasten and reprove and we repent. And that's a good thing. That means that my conscience is still able to hear God and I can take instruction from him so that I can grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if the word bless you, I want you to consider sowing a seed into the word of what we do. We really just believe in God to do, um, to carry the word to the uttermost parts of the earth. There's also information there. Um, if you not only want to sow into the ministry, um, but our people here in Destiny Generation sowing to me as their minister. And there's information there that allows you to do the same. Just want you to know that and want you to be, uh, to partake with us, to help us carry the gospel. Please, still encouraging you to get with us on social media. Um, like our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can get all of the messages that we've that we've pretty much done this entire year out there. And then follow us also on Instagram. All right, please also, our next announcement is that on Sunday, we're continuing on 
with experiencing increased through faith. Uh, Minister Eva Jerry gave us a great message this past Sunday, challenging each one of us to get about the work and understanding that God has made us stewards and we have a responsibility um, to move forward with the things that he entrusted into our care. We're going to be good at that. I'm challenging you to come and be a part of our service this Sunday. Amen. We will be having a watch night service um, on December 31st from 7 to 9 p.m. Please watch and stay tuned. We got some more information on that. So please stay tuned as we go forward. All right. I'm looking forward to you joining us again next Sunday or uh, following up with us the following Tuesday. All right. Thank you. God bless you and see you next time.